Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Hey, how y'all like that song right there? I need love. LL Cool J, the man. What's up, TC? Hey, I like that right there, man. It's sounding off already, Brad. Y'all making Brad look good, man. Give it up for your pastor, Brad, here, man. I love Brad. He's amazing, man. I'm excited to be here with you guys, excited to uh, worship with you guys. Thank you guys for having me this morning, man. Uh, I got some people from our Rhythm Church here. Thank you guys for coming out. Love my team. They're awesome. Uh, so excited to be here, man. I picked this song, LL Cool J, because I wanted to be LL Cool J, man. Even when, my, when I met my wife, you know, I would go up to her and I tried to do a lip thing. You know, I would, you know, how you doing, girl? What's your name? I still do it sometimes, and she'll call me out on it now. Stop, you're not LL Cool J, stop. <laughs> stop. And then he shaved his head, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be like LL Cool J, I'm gonna shave my head. I started with the center, but I didn't finish yet. But I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there, man. Uh, no, I'm excited to be here with you guys. I'm excited to uh, bring the word of God. I'm excited to talk about this song, I Need Love. How many of you guys need God's love? Amen. Amen. All right, all right. Hey, I like it. You guys talk back to me. You can shout me down. Hey, I'm all about it. Talk to me today, okay? Hey, I want to talk about myself a little bit this morning, just testimony. Uh, I'm from this area in Pensacola. I'm just coming back here uh, after being gone about 20 years. So a lot of things have changed. I'm still relearning things. I'm getting acclimated. But I'm excited to be back here where I met Jesus, right? Um, I grew up in this area. Uh, uh, left here, went to the military, became, went, uh, went into the Army, uh, did a lot of time overseas in Italy and Germany, uh, lots of traveling, and then back at Fort uh, Useless, I mean Eustis. Uh, seriously, no, that's like the most relaxed duty station in the military, Fort Useless. Like, I went there, and I'm like all at parade rest and standing and saluting people, and they were like, hey, what's up, Tommy, talking to the lieutenants and captains. I was like, what is this place? This is not even the military. It's like a country club, right? But then I left there, went to the police department after coming back from the war in Afghanistan, Iraq, and ended up doing ministry by vocationally as a police officer. That was uh, kind of crazy, doing both. But ultimately went out to California full-time ministry after doing by vocational for about 15 years. And then we came back here to Pensacola where I met Christ. But growing up... Um, I wish I could tell you that I grew up like with a, you know, with a silver spoon in my mouth and they, I had all this stuff and, uh, that everybody had. But no, I, we grew up poor. Honestly, we grew up poor. My mom and dad divorced when I was very young. And we ended up moving into the projects. And when we moved into the projects, you know, I remember uh, seeing all kind of horrid things like drugs, gangs, crime, uh, everything that you probably shouldn't see as a child about 10, 11 years old. I saw it. I dealt with it. I, I, that was life for me, right? But at the same time, my mom, you know, she married my stepfather, and I wish I could say that he was like the uh, number one dad, but no, he was actually very uh, verbally, physically, and mentally abusive to me and my siblings, and so it was a very rough life, and I remember thinking like, man, this sucks, man. Something's, something's got to be better, and I remember looking around. I see my friends, man. They walk around in the nicest kicks, man. They had the British Knights. Anybody know about British Knights, the BK British Knights? Come on, come on, don't act like you don't know. Or some Chuck Taylors, right? Or some LA Gears. And then when they lit up the LA Gear lights, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And I remember, man, if I just had those shoes right there, man, because my shoes used to talk to me, right? My shoes would talk. I had the ones that you, know, you strap them on and strap them off. I didn't even know how to tie my shoes until I was 10. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it was, 
I said, man, I wish I had those things, man. If I had that, man, or I'd see families that were actually doing great because my household was very dysfunctional. Uh, and I said, man, look at this dad with his kids. And if I just had that family right there, or if I just had this house they lived in, and, you know, man, I, everything would be fixed. My life would be great. I would have everything I need. I wouldn't need anything else. And then I remember just saying, man, this is hopeless. I don't even want to live here anymore. I don't, I don't even like where I live at. I don't even like getting up. So I would go to the park every day to get away from all the craziness in my home and just hang out at the park in the neighborhood and just play, you know, basketball, play some football, run around. And then this bus pulls up one day. Uh, the, the bus was Smyrna Baptist Church right here on 29, if you know where it is. They, pull, they pulled up in the neighborhood, and they came in, and they said, uh, hey, man, hey, get your, get your friends. You want to play some basketball with us? You know, at first, you know, I was like, who are you guys coming into my neighborhood talking about playing some basketball with me, coming out with all these snacks and candy and all this stuff? And, and I was like, uh, it's kind of creepy, right? But I grabbed my friends. I grabbed them. We, we, I said, hey, let's go out and see. They want to play basketball and football with us. But we were like, we're going to go out here and we're going to crush them, man. You know, so we, were, they came, we came out. They played basketball with us. They hung out with us. They started talking to us. Then they started talking to us about Jesus, and they start talking about, hey, about God's love and how you were created with a purpose, on purpose, and God has a plan for your life. And I was like, man, this sounds interesting. It don't look like nothing I live, what I'm dealing with here, but this sounds interesting. And how, you know, everything you need is found in Jesus Christ. They started sharing the gospel this week after week. And I started understanding and, and starting to figure out, man, I need God's love. I thought I needed those things, right? And I thought I needed uh, a big house, the best shoes, the, nice, the nicest clothes. And what I really needed was God's love. And when I began to realize this, I went to a camp. They invited me. They said, hey, knucklehead, because I, I, I had a lot of questions. I raised my hand like t- ten times at least. And every time we did the youth group when I was going to that church. And they, and they said, what do you want, knucklehead? I said, I got a question. And I had a question about everything. But they invited me to this camp because they thought it was pretty spunky. And uh, they took me to this camp. And I go in this camp, and it's a Thursday morning at this camp. I walk into the cafeteria, and I see on the wall, I see Mark 117. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And I said, oh, man, what is this feeling? I said, God has called me to preach the gospel. I'm a, I'm a pastor. So I go to my youth pastor. You know, I'm 11 years old. I say, hey, listen. Hey, God has called me to be a pastor. I'm a pastor. When can I preach? <laughs> I'm ready, right? And he says, uh, hold up, hold up. We need to talk a little bit, knucklehead. Hold on. Slow down, cowboy. Let's just settle down for a second. Let's have a conversation first. Let's talk. So anyhow, long story short, we begin to talk, and he expounded the things of God to me, and I ended up saying a sinner's prayer and got saved, and I'm getting baptized the next day. And I went home right away, and in my mind still, I said, I'm a preacher. And so I went home, and the first thing I did, my mom would feed all the kids in the neighborhood, and I told them, I said, hey, listen, before we eat today, before we sit out here at this picnic table my mom got, hey, you guys need to hunger and thirst for righteousness and be filled. Y'all need Jesus, so you can't eat this food unless you get the, the living bread of Jesus. I was just saying everything I heard them say. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know what it meant, but it's, it, I knew it, it made sense to me. And so, I started, and so all of them said, okay, well, what do we need to do? I said, well, you need, to, you need to know this right here and this right here, and repeat these words after me. Close your eyes, and you've got a meaning with your heart. And I was just regurgitating everything my youth pastor said. But it, by chance, they all end up getting saved, going to church, and God did work through that. I don't advise that evangelism of anybody. But what, <laughs> really, I don't, really. Uh, but what I, what, in that, the Lord began working on my heart, and I realized that it wasn't the things that I ever needed. It wasn't people that I needed in my life. It wasn't the big house. It wasn't to be the most popular person. What I needed more than anything else was Jesus' love, because in his love, there's everything. His love for me changed my circumstances. It changed who I was. What I, when I looked out on what I was living, 
even though it was not the most comfortable place, it, I wasn't so much boggled down by it because I had God's love. And it just changed how I saw things. It changed how I moved. It changed my identity, right? Uh, we don't always get to pick where we are, but we get to pick who we are, where we are. I'll say that again. We don't always get to pick where we are, but we get to pick who we are, where we are. So my identity was changed, and something was happening on the inside of me, and God began to work on me. And today what I want to do, I want to look at three instances in Scripture, three instances of three different times where these people in the Bible were in dire situations and circumstances. They were in uh, places where they didn't feel happy, they didn't feel hopeful, and one encounter with Jesus changed everything in their life. So the first I'll look at is the, this is the invalid man. Now, I don't know why Scripture calls him invalid, but they, that's what, we'll go with that, right? The invalid man, right, okay? And this man had been by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. And every time the angel would stir the water, he wanted to get in and get healed. But he was last getting in, so he, hey, you know, first come, first serve, right? And so... Jesus walked him to him, and he comes on the scene and walks, and he says this right here to him. He asked him, he said, hey, why don't you get in? Don't you want to be healed? Basically, and I'm paraphrasing, don't you want, what are you waiting for? And he knew the whole time, but the man says, sir, this says, and this is John 5, 7 through 8, if you're, not, if you're not following. John chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when, when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes in ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. See, all this time he had been thinking I needed people's help. I needed people to get me to the water. If I could just get in this pool, this pool is everything I need. Right here, it's found right here. And what he really needs when he was down was to just look up. He needed Jesus. And he didn't even realize who he was talking to. And Jesus said, okay, well, why, why don't you get healed? What's going on? What's going on? You, you, you know, you got to get in the pool and you think you need this water, but what you need is living water. Hey, get up and walk. In this situation, Jesus' love changed everything. Changed everything. Second situation I want to look at is in chapter, is Mark chapter 1. And it's the leper. It's one of my favorite, actually, verses in Scripture. Jesus is in town and then all of a sudden... A leper comes into him. Now, we know lepers were not even allowed to associate with people or be in the presence of people because they were ceremonially unclean. But this leper comes up to Jesus. And, and this is chapter, uh, verses 40 and 41. Now, a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. See, I don't know. This man thought, hey, I just need to get to Jesus. And I know that I'm not supposed to go in this amongst the people that are clean, and I know I'm not supposed to, but I, I've seen something. I've heard something. There's something about this man. I need to go to him, and I just want to, can you heal me? Can you make me whole? I've lost everything. I don't, but what I feel like I need right now, I need you. And Jesus looked at him and said, hey, in other words, I love you. I am willing. Be cleansed. And this man was made whole. He encountered God's love. And not only did God's love change him, 
on the outside, but it changed him inside. you got to understand the situation he's in. He's been ostracized from his family, from his friends, from everybody he loves and those dear childhood friends. No one wanted to come near him, and he was in this community of other lepers, and they were considered, considered just the worst of worst, the lowest of lows. So bad to even the priest said that, hey, they're not, he's not even worthy to go before God because he's not clean. And Jesus said, hold on, I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change this thing. No, you are clean. Be clean. I love you. You are worthy. I'm restoring what people t- took away from you. I'm restoring what leprosy took away from you. I'm restoring you. Be clean. His love changed everything from the inside out. And the third I want to look at is in Acts chapter 3, verses 2 through 8. In this situation here, Peter and John were going into the temple one day, and they were walking, and uh, there was this lame man who had been going to the temple gate every morning, getting people to carry him out. And he'd been uh, lame since birth and begging, hey, let me get some money, you know. Let me get some money. And Peter and John just happened to be there at this moment, and this is what Peter says to him when he asked him for money. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, hey, God loves you. Get up and walk. See, what he was looking for was something temporal, right? And a lot of times we look for temporal things and think the temporal things are what's going to fix us. We want, we want situationships, but not relationships. But they were saying, hey, listen. Yeah, situationships. Yeah, come on, man. Say it again. Come on. That's all right now. <laughs> situationship, but what he needed was relationship. So they said, hey, get up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, God loves you. They restored this man. They, he needed God's loves. And how many times are we in those situations where we think we need things, right? We need, we need people. We think we need uh, a better circumstance. We, we're looking to the things and say, if only this was better, then I'll be okay. If only I had this, then I'd be at peace. If only, and then I get it. I don't know about you. How many times you got it? And then they, they, the first thing you said, now, if only I had this. Anybody else? Hey, I don't care. I'll talk about me. If only, okay, okay, now I get, okay, now, if only if I had this right here too, just right here, Lord, just this too, I'll be okay, right? But that's not what we need. What, in the scriptures, what we've seen, these people were looking for things, just like myself, they were looking for things, and then realized that the thing they needed was the most valuable thing, and they needed God's love. They needed to seek Him, right? They, and so His love changes everything. So what does God's love do for us? First thing is God loves to change our identity. It changes our identity. His love changes our identity. 2 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then I love what Psalms 139 verse 14 says. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Something special when you start thinking of yourself that way. 
that I'm a new creation, the old has passed away, everything's become new, but also then realizing that, hey, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think that somebody needs to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When God made you, he broke the mold. When God made you, when he created you in your mother's womb, before your name was ever spoken, he said, you are worthy. You are loved. You are cared for. I love you. No one has the same fingerprints you have. Isn't that amazing? You ever think about that sometimes? No one has the same number of strands in your hair. Now, I don't have the same amount of strands in my hair I had in my younger years, but no one still has the number of strands I have in my head, I believe, right? In fact, my son say I'm parting the Red Sea right here, so <laughs> we'll work with them on that one, right? But you have to realize that your circumstances don't determine your destiny. God does. Your circumstances, they don't determine your destiny. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're going on. Your circumstances are just circumstantial. God holds your destiny. He holds your future. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. I like what Shannon Alder said. She said, you are not what others think you are. You are what God, who God, you are what God knows you are. You are not what others think you are. You are what God knows you are. And the thing is, is us getting to know it for ourselves. That's sometimes the most difficult thing, what God knows we are, and we get to know for ourselves. See, you have to see yourself for who God called you to be. And don't lose yourself by what you see. See yourself as who God called you to be and don't lose yourself by what you see. Because it's so easy to look at life and look at situations. I remember being in my situation and the circumstances and losing myself. And several times I had to remind myself, even from the time of salvation to now, I have to remind myself, I'm not my circumstance. I am who God called me to be. His imprint, his hand is on me. His hand is on you. His love has, has encompassed you. And I have to walk in that, right? And realize the three Ps. There are three Ps I want you to remember. There is a process to prepare you for the promise. There is a process to prepare you for the promise. And I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes the process doesn't look pretty. It's ugly sometimes. And sometimes you want to give up. You want to quit. But I want to tell you, sometimes we don't know it, but we're right at the brink of breakthrough. We're right at the brink of something great. And, and if we just realize that, hey, I can trust God in the process and believe that it's molding me, that it's shaping me, that it's getting me ready for the promise. We can be ready for great things, right? That's a process that's preparing you for the promise. Second, God's love changes your sense of worth. 1 Peter 2.9 says this right here. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are chosen. See, a lot of times when I talk to people and they say, hey, I'm giving it to God, I'm giving it. Don't you know you can't give him something that's already his? It's a slight perspective shift, right? Instead of I'm giving it to him, I realize that I am chosen. I am chosen. And if I'm chosen, I can't give him what's already his, but I can realize I'm chosen. It's going to change the way I think. It's going to change the way I move when I know that I'm chosen, right? It's going to change how I feel about myself. I'm going to pop my jacket a little different, right? It changes my sense of worth. But you got to know that. You got to know that you are loved. But do you believe it? See, I talk to a lot of believers. I talk to and they say, hey, you know God loves you? You know, and it's the most simple thing. And they're, and they're like, yeah. And I say, no, 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 no. Do you know that God loves you? 
And I can't tell you the number of people that it's hard for them to say that out of their mouth, that, hey, I'm loved, I'm chosen. I, I, am, I am the apple in God's eye. It's hard for people to say that. But if we could ever grasp in our mind that we are loved immeasurably and truly be able to boldly say that, man, it would change everything in your life. It would change how you see yourself. Because many people, they, they, they say, oh, yeah, God is love. Yeah, God is good. But they don't believe that God loves them. And that's the worst place to be in, to not recognize that he loves you. He loves you. Because the thing is, you can't impart into others what you don't believe about yourself. That's a true story. You cannot impart into others what you don't believe about yourself. Because people, I'm going to tell you right now, they see the nonverbals before they ever hear the verbal. They see it. It's something about when you know you're loved by God, the way you walk up. Before you even say a word, they're like, hey, I want what you got. There's something on you. Ah, man, this is, this, is a, this is an energy. I said, no, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> There's a countenance. No, that's God's glory. Hey, that's God's glory. I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm chosen. I know that, hey, I know that I am his and he is mine. I want to get one volunteer, just one person, anybody brave enough to come up and hang out with me. Oh, my man right here. Come on, man. First raise his hand. Come on up. Oh, and he hopped the stage. Okay, he crushing it. What's up, bro? What's up? All right. Yeah, yeah. He sits with me. Hey, this is my man. He sits with me every week, man, and hang out with me. We be talking the whole time in church. I'm sorry, Brad. All right, let me ask you this, right? If I wanted to give you this $20 bill right now, would you take it? No. You wouldn't take this $20 bill if I give you a $20 bill? Hey. No, I I'm, no, there's no, 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 nothing behind it. No, there's no trick. Would you take it? Huh? Yes. <laughs> Don't be afraid. There's $20, right? You, you agree with that? If I take it and I ball it up, crush it up, is this still $20? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, so it's still $20. Nothing changes about it, right? It's just $20. I know you wouldn't take it, but I'm giving it to you, so just receive it. Have a seat, young man. Have a seat. See, just like that $20 bill that I gave him, and he can go get some McDonald's, man. Uh, some, 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 I don't know. Chick-fil-A is closed today, so uh, <laughs> the Lord's chicken is closed. But he, no, just like that $20 bill. Me balling it up, me wrinkling it up, me, I can stump it on the floor, I can throw it across the room, I can do anything I want to it. But nothing doesn't change its value. It doesn't change that it's still $20, it still spins, right? Even if I ripped it in half and I tape it back together and take this, so they're still going to take it. It's $20, right? So that's why you have to realize where you come from doesn't determine your value. God does. Where I come from doesn't determine my value. Doesn't matter what I've been through. Doesn't matter what I walked through. Doesn't matter what, what, what I've endured. Nothing changes my value. God determines it. And last, you need to realize that God's love changes the way you move and you think. Something about when you get God's love on the inside, it changes the way you move. Like I said, you start walking different, right? When I got God's love, man, I got a little more a little pep in my step, you know. I got a little more smooth with my, my walk, right? 
See my wife, she's smiling already. See that? I told you it works. <laughs> see? I told you. You see her, right? It changes the way you move and you think, right? You start to look at situations different, even circumstances you may encounter. You start saying, hey, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13, doesn't matter what I'm dealing with. Hey, I can do that. Hey, I can conquer that. In the middle, it changed how I hey, in the military. They'd be like, hey, who's going to be point man? Hey, I'll be point man. I'm walking with Jesus. And you know point man, if you, anybody ex-military in here, you don't want to be point man. But, hey, I was, just, I, was, I was just fired up. I said, hey, listen, I'll be point man. Hey, y'all scared, man? I got Jesus, man. Right? It changes it. You realize that all you ever needed was found in him. And so all the broken pieces, the things said, the abuse I endured, everything that I, 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 I had in my life that was not great, I laid it at his feet and I picked up his love. And I believe if we ever just really just lay everything at his feet, truly, and don't try to pick it up. Sometimes I think we want to play ball in the jacks. We want to we take the ball, which represents his love, and we want to keep dropping the ball and picking up the jacks, which is our problems, which are the things that prick us and hurt us, right? But if we just ever, ever realize that he loves us, and I don't need to carry these things no more. In fact, I need to make room in the closet of my heart. I need to declutterize some things that's not supposed to bend it, be there. Some things that I've put in there and carried with me so long. I need to make my, make my load light and pick up his love. You need, we need this. And the thing is, if we don't pick up his love, we're carrying around all the broken hurt and disappointment and all the things we went through. And the problem with that is that unresolved disappointment will lead to unfulfilled destiny. I believe some of you in here, God has some plans for your life that will blow your mind. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard the things the Lord has planned for you. But if, as long as you're walking with unresolved disappointment and things in your life that are weighing you down, man, you can't properly move as God wants you to move. You want to get rid of the unresolved disappointment because it will lead to an unfulfilled destiny. When I'm moving in His love, Man, it changes my, I have confidence. I have great expectation in the goodness of God. Doesn't matter what people say. Doesn't matter what people think, you know, come, where I came from. In my situation, my stepfather at 16 years old said, hey, you called me in one day and, and this was all this abuse going on. And my brother had cerebral palsy. He was in a wheelchair growing up. And so my, one day my brother passed away. He, he had a life expectancy of 12 years old. But he lived to be 21. So when I was 21, I found him at 16, deceased in his room. And I remember being heartbroken about that. And then two weeks later, my stepfather calls me in and he says, Hey, when your brother was alive, he brought in $593.82 in SSI. Hey, you need to make that up or you need to get out of my house because you're a man right now. 16 years old, right? I'm like, what? What? So he said, so true to scale, he puts me out of the house. So I had just worked my butt off because he told me he's not my father. He's not, he's not in charge of buying me a car. He doesn't have to buy me no clothes. He doesn't have to buy me any shoes. All he needs to do is provide a place for me to sleep and eat, right? So I'm out on my own. And I'm sleeping in the car in my neighborhood. And I had worked over the summer and bought this nice Chevy Caprice Classic. It needs some work. Didn't have a paint job. It had a little few rust stains. Hey, but it moved just right. It coasted, right? Anybody ever had a Chevy Caprice? You know what they ride like, right? It coasts, right? So I bought this Chevy, so I was living out of my car, right? And, and then the man that I worked for over the summer doing cement siding said, hey, man, did I just see you getting out of your car getting dressed? I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, what happened? So I explained to him. He said, hey, listen. He said, come with me. So he takes me to his house. 
And I've been over his house several times, but I've never been to the back of his house. In the back of his house, he has this one-bedroom trailer. And he says, hey, I want you to stay in this trailer right here. I'm going to take care of the lights and all this stuff. Just give me $50 a month. And he said, uh, and he says something to me. He said, hey, listen, I know what's going on, but that doesn't have to determine who you are. You can do anything you put your mind to. You can do anything you put your mind to. Don't give up. Don't quit. God loves you. He cares for you. Great are the things he has. He started speaking into my life. He started preaching to me, right? Great are the things that I have planned for you, that God has planned for you. So they took me in and they started treating me like family. They started loving on me. They started taking me to family functions. For the first time in my life, I went fishing. I went camping. I went to Disney World. I did all these crazy. I was like, man, what is all this stuff? I've never seen this, right? It just changed my entire life. And, what took, and so I got this boldness about me because I remembered back when my youth pastor told me, he said, hey, listen, hey, your life doesn't, your circumstances doesn't change your destiny. God holds your destiny. And I started moving. I said, I'm going to graduate high school still. I'm going to finish. And I'm getting the heck out of Pensacola at the time. I, that, 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 I went in the military. So I, had, I moved different, right? And I want to tell you this. On the day of graduation, he walked up to me and he says, uh, he said, hey, come here. He said, come here. He said, here, take this. So he gives you this big envelope. Now, I've given him $50 a month, every month, every day for two years when I lived in this trailer. He said, and I open it up, and it's every dime that I've ever given him. He gives it back to me. He said, I just wanted to build you a savings for the road ahead. I know, right? I know, right? But what I'm really trying to convey is what I needed was his love. And his love through God having an encounter with God, but also through his people, right? It changed who I was. And if you're going to move in what God has for you, you have to have confidence that he is for you. And every situation, every circumstance gave me a confidence that I didn't have before. So now, no matter what things look like, I don't lose my joy. And you don't have to lose your joy either. You don't have to walk with your head down. It doesn't matter the situation or circumstances. You have to believe and trust in God that He is for you and not against you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. It doesn't matter what you walk like in here today. You are loved immeasurably, and God has a plan and a destiny for your life. See, now I move. I move with a confidence that He's for me. So I don't even call it confidence anymore. I got a confidence. That's that swagger. You see me walking? That's that swagger. I got a confidence. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I move with a God. I realized that his love was all I ever needed. It was all I ever needed. I realized that his love was already there. I needed his love. I needed it to change me from the inside out. And when you believe that about yourself, when you know that you're loved, it will change you. And I don't know who I'm talking to today. But I want you to know that, right? What you believe about yourself will directly impact the trajectory of your life. I can't stress that enough. I know I said it a couple of times, but I said it intentionally a couple of times. What you believe about yourself will directly impact the trajectory of your life. You see your self-worth, your identity, your purpose aren't based on the attainment of things. They're not based on people's negative words they said over you. Matter of fact, sometimes you need to hit the delete button on some of the things people say to you about you. You know, sometimes you just got to hit the delete button to keep moving. Hey, if it don't sound like, for me, if it don't sound like, if it don't look like or feel like God, I hit the delete button to keep moving. I don't have time for it on the journey ahead. I got, I got to keep moving. I love you. Delete. See you later. Seriously. But what I'm saying is 
Sometimes you got to be willing to hit the delete button and keep moving and realize that your identity, your self-worth, your purpose aren't based on the attainment of things or people's words or where you're at or your situation, okay? It's based on who holds your future. And you have to realize that you are love. So I want everybody to do me a favor real quick as I close because I don't want to go with my time or Brad won't have me back, right? Close your eyes for a second. I don't know what any of you walked in here today, but I do feel his presence here today. I feel his spirit moving. And maybe you came here this morning and you don't know God's love for yourself. And as a matter of fact, you don't have any relationship with Jesus and you want to call Jesus Lord and Savior. You want to have this love and this confidence that I'm speaking about this morning. I want to invite you just to, by a show of hands, just raise your hands up and say, I want God's love. I see you. I see you. I see you. I want to pray right now. And I want everyone to repeat after me. For those who raise your hand, we're not going to make you pray alone. We're going to pray with you. Because we want to walk this journey with you. God loves you. And then in this room, you have brothers and sisters around you that want to love on you too. So let's pray. I want you to repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I believe that you died on the cross and you raised from the dead for me and that in you, I can have life. So today, I lay down everything else and I pick up your love. Change me and make me new. Change me and I'll live for you. Thank you that my life will never ever be the same. In Jesus' name, amen.